arise, possess your inheritance. Let's have this song going through my head today. Oh, entangled with heavy chains of captivity.
Brother West, could I have you open up the service in a word of prayer this evening? So written prayer request tonight, but there's needs that we have in the body that we can remember. Our sister Clara Woolman, our sister Billisberger, and Brother Milko, different ones, or Brother EBA for his sight. Amen. If you have a need, let's lift it up before the Lord. He sees your every need. Amen. Let's all pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, what a beautiful word, freedom. Oh, Lord, the world touts freedom, but, Father, only you can give freedom, Lord. We're free, Heavenly Father. We have freedom. Why? Because of your word, because of your promise, because of what you've done for us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, what a blessed people we are. Father, we have your word. We are here. We're ready to receive, Father. Lord, we ask your blessings upon tonight's service, Father. Father, we anoint, We ask that you just anoint whoever is speaking tonight, Lord God. Father, we ask you to anoint us to receive, Father. But not only to hear and receive, but to hear, receive, and manifest your word. Lord, we, we firmly believe, Lord God, there's nothing that surprises you, Lord. We are all supposed to be here tonight, right now. Everybody is where they're supposed to be. You know where each one of us are. You know our address. We're asking, Father, we're relying upon a promise that you gave. You said we're two, one or two or three were gathered, Lord. You'd be in their midst also, Father. We're here. We're asking you to be here as the guest of honor to speak to us, Father. Lord, we're asking your blessings upon our pastor, Lord God, Brother Ed. We're asking your blessings upon Sister Ruth, the entire family, Lord God, wherever they might be. We thank you for his life. We thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon him, which in turn flowed down to us, Lord. Father, now again, there were no raised, there might have been raised hands, but no written prayer requests. But Father, we know that there's many unspoken prayer requests. And Lord God, we just ask that you would answer according to your perfect will each one of those requests father lord god now we just ask that you had sent the man to the side that you would speak to us tonight lord god take control of the service in jesus christ's name we pray amen sister victoria is a special for us come now we'll just go right right to the special
Michael comes to sing, Welcome Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Welcome Holy Spirit. Oh, we are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, that is indeed the very desire of our hearts. Lord, I lift up both my hands and say, Lord, welcome, Holy Spirit. We welcome thee tonight, Lord. Fill us with thy power. Would you dwell inside each one of us, Lord? Lord, you could move and you could deal, Lord, and use us as vessels of honor. Lord, you raise up, Lord, those of dishonor, as your scripture says about Pharaoh. But here tonight, Lord, I pray our vessels of honor that, Lord, you can pour yourself into, that, Lord, we could then be a conduit of your spirit, Lord, amongst this wicked and dying world. Lord, would you take the service, take complete control, Lord, not the ways of man, Lord, that would be trying to move or trying to speak in a certain direction, but may you control the words. May you control the thoughts. And may you control, Lord, how it's received in the heart of the people, we pray. Lord, bringing a prayer request, our sister Christina Waldner, Lord, brought before you from our sister Helen. Lord, she's written down. She's battling some health needs and different challenges, Lord. You are our healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. Lord, we have indeed many needs that have been remembered, and so we again bring them before you. We're a needy people, Lord, but we have a mighty God. Lord, we have great needs, but we have a great God. Lord, we have impossible needs, but we have a God that can deal with the impossible tonight. Sister Aileen in a bed of affliction of cancer. Sister Clara, Lord, and Sister Ramona, Lord, these are great needs, but you are the mighty conqueror. And so we believe, Lord, that you can undertake in these needs, Lord, even right now, you can meet the need. You can raise them up, oh God. How many came across the pulpit, Lord, in the days of your prophet? Lord, they walked off the stage, made whole in a moment, blind those old eyes open, deaf ears, Lord, could hear in a moment's time. So, Lord, Sister Aileen, right this moment, could raise up out of her bed. Lord, we are that kind of people that believe your word tonight. So, Lord, we just commit her to you, Sister Christina. Lord, not just her body of natural, but, Lord, her spiritual being. May you impact her. May your presence, Lord, overwhelm her and draw her to you, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit this service to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Amen. We serve a wonderful God. We serve a living God. That's what I'm so thrilled about tonight. We don't come here to preach something 2,000 years ago. We're preaching Jesus Christ today. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you, musicians. We'll turn right to the Word. We'll turn to Deuteronomy. You can take your Bibles. Potentially, I think it might just be just us tonight is what I hear. Those in the office will chuckle because I've said it a few times. I just, you know, what if we didn't stream? <laughs> What if we just archive, you know, it'd just be just us, right? Sister Megan, we've just talked about this before, but well, tonight it just might be us. And uh, to those that might hear it later, God bless you. We do indeed enjoy and welcome the believers that tie in. I know some that don't have maybe a church near them, so they tie in, and this is home church to them, and we welcome them and greet them as part of the family. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, a little bit of a different service maybe tonight. I heard Brother Anthony say home cooking. It seems to be one of my favorite phrases for Wednesday night. But uh, maybe Brother Branham, I don't have the quote exactly, but he speaks about faith, picking up the binoculars of faith and looking down. He says you don't take binoculars to look at the time. 
So if there's a watch or clock on the wall right here, we wouldn't need binoculars to look at that, but we look at binoculars to look far-reaching. And I'm thinking tonight is this maybe a, a binocular night. We're going to use binoculars to look and focus on something maybe uh, a little far, far out and take that sniper scope and drill a bullet right down the... Uh, right down the target. <laughs> so it might be a little narrow tonight, not necessarily a broad topic, maybe very focused, and maybe you don't need it tonight. Maybe you do next year. And so maybe you'll tuck that in your little bag. Amen. We're going to take uh, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 27. Sorry. <laughs> A strict question for you. <laughs> I wrote 27, but it's 527, which we're going, but it's Deuteronomy 6, 4. <laughs> You're like, Brother Michael, there's like only 24 or 5 verses in that chapter. Yes, there's only 25. <laughs> Let's just go to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. My, that should sum up the Trinity right there for everybody. I don't know how they skipped that verse, but for those that you know, are listening down the future here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. That's it, period. There's no three, two, five, whatever. It's one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Amen. All thine heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy might. Amen. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Amen. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I think that covers pretty much every aspect of our day. Amen. We can go back a uh, chapter. We'll go back to verse, uh, chapter 5. And indeed, there is verse 27 there. So chapter 5, you'll see the Ten Commandments are in there. And then the children of Israel, they speak to Moses, and they, they talk about uh, God speaking to him. They heard a voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire. And he, they said, Behold, our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we heard his voice. And we've seen this day that God doth talk with man and liveth. And so they're speaking to Moses, Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore. And so they say in verse 26, For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fires we have and lived? They say, 27, Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. Amen. Amen. So here's what they, they have said. And now, verse 28, And the Lord heard the voice of your words. When ye spake unto me, and the Lord spake unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them. Here Lord is speaking back and he's saying, Oh, that there were such a heart in them, that they would fear me. And keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. I just, that phrase in that part of verse 29, and the Lord heard, or 28, he says, and the Lord heard the voice of your words. Moses speaking back to the people. Oh, that there were such a heart 
in them. God longing that the people would indeed have a heart that were going to keep his commandments, keep his word, tuck them in their heart, serve him with all their might and their soul. And so God says, oh, that there was such a heart in them. Amen. I would pray that that's the cry of our heart tonight. Amen. You may have your seats tonight. God bless the reading of his word. Oh, this microphone was giving some troubles. It might be okay tonight. I'll take my coat just to keep it from interference. I'm going to speak tonight a little subject on matters of the heart. Matters of the heart, and we'll see where we get to. A bit of a... I've just been pondering about from the heart. Just some, The heart has been on my heart <laughs> recently in the last few weeks and so the heart you know is is uh, well you all have one <laughs> whether you knew it or not it's quite a little vital component of your world and uh, somewhat in the center of our being and we probably didn't think about it today I'm sure you didn't get up in the morning and thank your heart anybody do that today no probably not but it's sitting there tirelessly you know making sure that we stay alive our heart and you may uh, you know do a lot, you might have even taken a break today, and your heart did not. It's tirelessly working over time and all the time to make sure that you are always on time. All right. Your heartbeat, it beats about 100,000 beats a minute. <laughs> Just kidding. Just making sure you're awake. No, the smallest mammal has a 1,200 beats per minute heart rate, but you beat 100,000 beats per day, and you're pumping about a 1.5 gallons of blood every minute, and that comes to about 2,000 gallons a day. Just to give you an idea, you can put up my first slide, and just put the slide number one, and you can see what, the, uh, what that would equate to. There's about 2,000 gallons or 7,500 liters, and your blood, your little heart, that is about the size of your fist or a little bit larger in an adult, is pumping hard every little bit. It's about like that. Every one of your hearts doing that. And all day long it does that, all through the night, and it cycles through your being about that much. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's about 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. And that's enough to go around the world twice. And so your heart is pumping through all of those vessels each and every moment of the day, and it's beating, beating. And every cell in your body except the cornea, gets blood from the heart. It's a life giver. It's pumping vital, vitalness into your being. Brother Branham says, the ever-failing presence of the Lord Jesus with his church to live and to show forth his predestinated branches that he caught before the foundation of the earth and swore by those he had raised them up and his church today with the glory of his resurrection living in her. He says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Every time the heart beats, the blood pulsates to every member of the body. Every time the loyal heart of God beats, it pulsates through the name of Jesus Christ to the church. Amen? It pulsates through the name of Jesus Christ. Life pulsates through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a singer that sang, Jesus, name above all names. It's through the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus because there's power through the blood of Jesus. Amen. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen. It pulsates every time the heart beats. Blood pulsates to every member of the body. You know, we might need oxygen. Our heart brings oxygen and nutrients all through our being. But this bride needs Christ because that's what's pulsating and pressing through. But Brother Branham says Christ is the very heart of God. Mm. Christ is the very heart of God. But, you know, we have a problem. We have a problem. This is our heart. We gave you the, the, the short version of, what, uh, uh, of your heart. But this world has an issue with hearts. We have a, a very, uh, uh, we came through an pa- epidemic, a pandemic, and, uh, you know, everybody was pretty worried about people dying and all of that. But, you know, the most, the highest uh, cause of death in the world, highest cause of death, wild guess, it's heart problems. It's heart problems. It's the, it's, it's the biggest issue in the world. 700,000, up to just about 700,000 deaths a year by heart problems in the U.S. alone. And that's a quarter of deaths in the last 2019 or 20 when that fact was. I'm probably pretty certain it probably is higher. 25% of all deaths, a quarter of all deaths are because of the heart. Something wrong with the heart. That's a lot. That's a lot. One issue. Cancer is next. Just a little bit less than that. So it's the leading cause. It's the, it's the highest killer. One every 45-ish seconds, someone is dying in this world because of their heart. So we're going to go through service tonight. 50, 60 people are going to die because of their heart. While you sit here, we have a heart problem. Number one, the most number of heart attacks, they happen on Christmas Day. And the day after that, Christmas and New Year's Day, uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Day are close behind that, and most of them happen on Monday, actually. Most heart attacks happen on Mondays. You didn't know that. Scripture says, and there should be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Is it happening? Yeah. All right. And men's hearts, failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. It's scripture. It's scripture, so don't wonder. It's scripture. And so then, because there's so many issues with the heart these days, then there is much put to try and make sure that the heart is as healthy as possible. A lot goes into healthy hearts. Of course, eat correctly. No trans fats. More fruits and veggies. Good dental hygiene. Didn't know that. Floss your teeth. Good heart hygiene. Good dental hygiene. You're like, wow, is this preaching tonight, Brother Michael? Did I go into a, uh, into a medical facility? No, you did not. You're at church tonight. <laughs> We're going to deal with the heart. You need good sleep. Don't sit too long. I got up and stretched from preaching or from studying when I read that. I said, all right, I'll work my legs out. <laughs> Don't sit too long. Anybody in an office job, get up. That's why they have watches now. Stand up. Oh, I did. I stood up. Because you've got you to deal with your heart. This is a problem. They don't want you one of the 700,000. Exercise, 30 to 60 minutes a day. 
I'm pretty sure most of us probably don't get that. So we'll start. I'll help, we'll work on it. And so what happens though is people then need to go and they go into desperate needs and they need surgery when the heart gets to a place where it's not functioning properly and many other different aspects. But it's vital and its role is symbolized in so many things. The heart, you know, it, it, I have this long list of the heart. It, it's, it's symbolized and I would say the idioms of the heart, they're incredible. You know, we have a lot of idioms, but just the heart alone, there's, I have this whole piece of paper of just heart idioms. It's incredible. What the heart, how the heart is used in our, in our world. You know, a heart of gold. Someone has a big heart. By heart, it's from memory. Faint of heart, they're lacking courage. They're going to find a way into one's heart, cause someone to fall in love with somebody. The heart goes out to somebody in regard to feeling sympathy. It's sick at heart, they're discouraged. Or they put one's heart into something. They have some good conviction or enthusiasm. Or it melts one's heart because they have uncontrollable emotions. Or maybe it gave one, one a heart attack. Not for real, but they gave him some anxiety and fear. Or one heart, one's heart bleeds. Or one heart leaps. It's excited. One heart sinks. It's discouraged as well. Oh, one heart, it show, it's, it's an open heart with generosity and kindness. It, it pours one heart out or it bears its soul. This is all the heart. All the heart. Cross my heart. I'm going to give you an oath. It's close and near to me, near to my heart. You're loved. It captured or stole my heart or won my heart. So I, again, fell in love. From my heart with sincerity. Heart is in my mouth. Someone has strong emotions or something like that. Or, or, or heart is in the right place. Good intentions. Heart of the matter. The essence of it. That's maybe half of them. It's incredible how, how much the heart kind of re, our world revolves around it, for quite literally, but how it, it's used to convey so many aspects of our world and of our lives. It's quite incredible, the heart and its impact. Now, I would imagine, though, I know we're a spiritual people, natural type spiritual. We know this. And so if there's our natural aspect. We can see the spiritual side. We know that nature itself, our bodies, Israel, natural type spiritual, all these different things. So I wonder if there's such a, a, a issue with heart, the heart itself, naturally. I wonder if that is the same spiritually. I, I wonder if there's a 25% spiritual death rate because of the heart, spiritual heart. I wonder if there's heart problems and 700,000 people have heart issues spiritually every single year. It's the very core of our spiritual being. But Abraham speaks about that little place, our soul, in the heart. And if the world puts so much into having a healthy heart, so much, I mean, the, the millions, if not hundreds of millions, and maybe into the billions of dollars is put into ensuring that we live and we can make sure our heart is healthy. And if we need to, we go to the hospital and you have a, uh, many different things that can happen. Billions of dollars spent to make sure your natural heart is, is working functionally. What about our spiritual heart? Amen. What about it? And I'd like to look a little deep tonight. I'd like each person here and whoever hears it from, from now on. Like I said, maybe it's a little bit narrow tonight. But I really would like each person to, to search deep. 
Maybe for one moment tonight, we can get so many things that we get wrapped up in our world. We go to work, we, we go to school, we, we have interactions, we have friendships and relationships with our parents and our siblings and our, our families, our friends, etc. We have, we have many different interactions that go on. We're, we're dealing with lots of di- things social, in, uh, in technology and social media and all of this. But I would, I would pray tonight, I just want everybody to just take a step back from really all of it. And for one moment tonight, allow all the veils, all the layers that are on top of us, that are on top of our heart, that maybe don't allow us to, to, to allow anybody to really penetrate, and we'll maybe go into it a little bit, the deep regions of our heart. But I want tonight to actually just take, take, be very conscious and to say, I'm, Lord, I'm going to allow my heart to be penetrated tonight. Too often we just don't allow the deep regions of our heart to be accessed. It's a, it's a really, it's a sacred place. Our heart, it, it houses the real you and I. It is indeed the essence. It's the core, our heart, who we are. Scripture says, Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not what you say out of your mouth. Not even what you think in your brain. It's actually what you think in your heart. Something much deeper than just the surface level. So you could say a lot. You could act a lot out. But what you think in your heart, those deep conscious thoughts, deep down, that's who you are. But we have so many aspects, things that create a mask, and it masks the real us. We live in an emoji age. Yeah. You can create whatever little picture you want, whatever little avatar you feel to put out there, and you can customize it just exactly, and it might not just be you. And so you can live behind a mask. And anybody that doesn't see you, especially in the digital world, you can put your little emoji out there and whatever, and oh, that's what they look like. You could be totally different. They wouldn't know none the wiser. Right? We have avatars. We can create images. In fact, just recently there was a YouTuber. Don't even know what he was. I think he's a gaming YouTuber. And he just released his identity just now. He actually unveiled his face to all of his fans just recently after however many years that he had and he's always been behind some image or some whatever balloon thing on the screen that they would never see and just now he just unveiled who he is big deal living behind a mask isn't that just a a a perfect image of where we're at in this world fake news deep fakes in fact, one actor right now, he's sick. He can't act anymore. He's an old, older actor. But they've, he's given rights for his digital image. And so now he is given, uh, given uh, the ability to use. They've, they've used uh, many different um, sources of, of, his, of his 3D being, essentially, and digitized that. And now he, he's licensed that out. So he doesn't even act anymore. He's living behind the mask. He's acting behind the mask. No, I don't quite like how that action is. Let's just tweak that a little bit. It, it's not even him. And people veil themselves 
all the social media. You can't tell me that's from the heart. You just can't. I just don't believe it. It's just not from the heart. It's so superficial. It's from the mind. It's just, and it's sometimes not even from there. There's no thought. There's nothing. I don't even know where it comes from. It's like, how did that even get on the internet? Did anybody think that one through? No, it came from who knows where, not even from the mind, and definitely not from the heart. And so people are pretending. They're faking. They're faking it. You know, those that are here that were in back in the 1960s or in somewhat of a teen, they would remember Faking It Till You Make It. They'd remember a song by some old band called Faking It. And they sang a song, and they said, and I know I'm faking it. I'm not really making it. At least they're honest. <laughs> At least they're honest. And so we can create masks that we live behind. We can, different ones create different names and can different, maybe, maybe different areas of our lives. where we, we have certain makeups and that's, that's fine, but some people hide behind maybe something they're portraying. Somebody, you know, the, the, the one called it the cool person who, you know, they, they basically have the composure, they said, of a, a Tibetan monk, that everything's just fine. It's perfect. But really, bottled up inside is many, many emotions, and they're really, the end result is a potential nervous breakdown because they don't have a release valve. And so, but, but outside, they're just fine. They have this cool composure. There's, there's the humorist who uses humor as a, as a protective shield. And so they, they wear this mask of humor. In fact, there was a person that would be well-known in the entertainment industry. He, he was a, a comedian of such, and he committed suicide. And you can't wrap your head around, this is the funniest guy. No, that was a mask that he wore. Because, but really behind the scenes, in the areas of the heart, much more was going on. Turmoil was going on. Certain things of his life was going on that he never let come to the surface. He couldn't deal with it, but he put a shield of humor. They would call one the self-basher who suffers from chronic case of unworthiness or insecurity, and so they demean themselves really just unconsciously maybe because they're believing that they can insulate themselves by, by hurting themselves first so that, you know, no one else can, would do that. And so they're kind of putting this barrier, they call them to, to really bash themselves or the bully, trying to appear to be confident. But really inside, how many bullies are so insecure? Really, there's much more going on there to, from a bully. And really, that's your first ability to really see what is going on in somebody that is a, is a bully in life. They're really insecure. They want so badly to be respected and they'll break every rule they can to try and get something, some form of esteem. Or the martyr boasts that he or she single-handedly have saved the world with their selfless actions. And they can bring lots of family together maybe with the compassion, but they exaggerate on their sacrifices and it really drives people away. They create drama, trying to serve this protective shield from the people that they're really trying to help. But just by putting this forward and, and, and creating this martyr role that they're the ones saving the world, it, it actually really just makes everyone uncomfortable and drives them away. And these are a very short list of, of many different ways people can create a mask. But they're really just covering and hiding something deep inside. Maybe they're hiding fear. They want to be liked. They want to be accepted. They're hiding some vulnerability maybe some sadness or depression, maybe some anger. And so they wear a mask. 
to try and hide it. And some, unfortunately, what happens when someone wears a mask too long, they actually even forget who they are. They really don't even know their identity is now so skewed. And that's just such the demon, the devil, that of this evil age, trying to make someone lose their identity of who they really are. That's why this message came, to tell you who you are, so that you don't have to live behind a mask. You can, you can hear through the word, you can hear through this message exactly who you are. You're a predestinated seed of God, and you've been given everything you need to, not, to be able to be completely vulnerable before God. I was thinking about different ones. One second. I was thinking about the woman at the well, spoken of much. She probably spent many hours alone. Maybe shying away from others. She was scorned. She was ignored. She had a very difficult life. She went through a lot of hurt. And that, however, she got into her situation. But over and over again, she went through a cycle. She married one time. She married two times. She married three times. She married four times. And she married a fifth time. You can't tell me there was a lot of hurt. No, there was a lot of hurt there. Over and over, something was, was, was going wrong within her, and her heart had been broken many times. Many times. Searching for something. Every time she went, went on the well, I'm sure, outside, she put on a mask. That all is fine. It's all good. And she'd go and she'd go about her daily duties. She'd go about her, her business. She'd get her, get her water that she needed, and she bore through, but deep Inside her heart, there were hurts. Someone could say, oh, how's the day? She'd say, it's great. It's, it's a wonderful day. Isn't it nice outside today? And she'd put on a mask or an air that all was fine, but inside she's crying. She's lonely. Man's hurt her. She's unfulfilled. She feels worthless. And she's thirsty for something. Not knowing what. And really... If she would just be able to, maybe like tonight, sit down and brush aside everything in her world, she probably would say, no, I'm not fine. My world is brutal. I'm hurt. I'm longing for something. I've gone through this situation and this situation. I don't know what it is, why. And she would have a ton of questions. And she would pour out her heart. But because of every day, because she had, she, there was, maybe she didn't have much friends, again, she was scorned. No one understood where she was. She couldn't express it. And so she lived in a world of complete loneliness, and she just went about her business. And she finds herself at the well again. And her mask is on, but something happened this one time. This one time, it was different at the well. She comes into an encounter with someone who can actually see through the mask. And you're sitting tonight in the service, not me, but he can see through the mask. And so you're sitting here, maybe you haven't even taken the time to just say, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll push it aside. He sees through it no matter what. And he's seen through and he knew. And so here she, here she is. And they're talking, and we can go to John 4. If you wanted to turn to it, I'll just turn as I, so I can reference. You don't need to. But Jesus is speaking to her. 
And they have a conversation, and I won't go too far into it, but he speaks to her. He says to her as they were talking, he then says to her, go get thy husband. The word, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word was able to penetrate right to the area where there had some issues. Five husbands. She didn't need to, she didn't need to ask him. Uh, now, if, she, if the word was able to find and ask that question, I'm pretty sure she could think, if he knows that, what else does he know? He asked the exact question that could put a finger on the very area of her heart that had been masked, that had a lot of hurt, that she was holding back. And he says, go get your husband. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said, thou hast said, well, you have no husband for you've had five. And the one you, whom you're now with is not thy husband. And in that, you said it truly. And I can just imagine maybe there would be a bit of a, just this, maybe a release. Because someone now is able to now deal with right with her heart. She doesn't have to wear a mask anymore. Someone knows much more than, than, than what I'm portraying right now. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. Go get your husband. Uh, how did he know I had a, 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 had a husband? How did he know I'm even married? Oh, I don't have one. You're right. You've actually had five. Whoa. Again, now... Uh, penetrating deep into her heart, penetrating past the mask of just how she's doing there. Here's some water. Can you get me a drink? Well, you don't even have a bucket. God has now gone way deeper and he starts to touch her heart. And you know what the interesting switch is? Here she must have been saying, here's one that knows all my needs. He knows everything that I'm desiring. And you know where the switch comes immediately? It goes from go get your husband. And he says, thou, sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. And right away she goes into our father's worship. She had a longing. She had a longing for something more than just natural. She was thirsting for something more than just what natural man could provide. And here God puts a finger in her heart, steps past the mask, and when she feels this release, she starts to express, oh, we were get, we, 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 our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and she's desiring something of God. And now her desires are laid right open. I know the Messiah cometh. He'll, when he cometh, he'll tell us all things. And there she, and Jesus says to her, he says, he says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And he's starting to minister to the area of her heart that she really has the thirst for. No one else could reach there but God. And she says, oh, I know when the Messiah cometh, He'll tell us all these things. Her little heart now is just pitter-pattering. Somebody's speaking something that's ministering to my soul. Someone has come past the mask and was able to tear it down for me and speak and minister life to me. If I give you water that you thirst of, you'll never thirst again. And she's just drinking it. He says, oh, I know when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. He says, I that speak to you. Oh, I love this line of scripture. I that speak to you am he. Imagine what that did to her. She had something inside of her, a predestinated seed, that when the word struck her, 
So that, Jesus could have said that to someone else, but if they weren't predestinated, nothing would have happened. But something there, God knew behind the mask is a seed of mine. And I'm going to speak something that is going to penetrate past that barrier and bring her to life. We need some woman at the well moments. We need some woman at the well moments. We need heart penetrating word. Yes. Amen. The word of God is thorough. It's specific. It's purposeful. It's everlasting. And it's without mistake. God doesn't speak his word just haphazardly. It is to the very point of the matter. When he came there and sat at that well, he had a purpose. He knew exactly what her needs was. And when she came with her little bucket and she was just going to draw some water, she had no idea. She didn't know that on a Wednesday night you were coming to church. And she didn't know that someone, someone was going to rip right through her world, right to her heart, tear down her mask and say, this is what you need. Me. You need Christ. And that's who I am. That's the woman at the well moment that someone needs tonight. Brother Bram says, man gets under the spell of a revival. He says, yes, I accept Christ. And he does it intellectually because he's in a great crowd. He does it because there's great ministers before him, but it's only intellectual conception. The man can never go on. He's got to come from his mind to his heart and be born again. And he'll never, or he'll never be able to stand the test. Intellectual conception is all right. But remember, when the eye looks upon it, the devil uses your eye. In the garden, it proved that the devil chose the head of man to work in, and God chooses the heart. The devil shows him with the eyes something he can see. Seeing is believing. But when God comes to a man, he comes to his heart and lets him believe the things by his heart through faith. This woman, whatever she had believed before, was all in the mind because it wasn't working for her. I know she had a mental conception of maybe what, who Christ was or who the Messiah was, but when he came, when Jesus came and broke through her heart, it changed everything. Amen? I don't know what their priest had told her. I know what she'd gone through, whatever synagogue she went through, and she just went every day trying to search for something. But in a moment, when he came, when he comes, in a moment, He'll break through whatever barrier and mask you have got up, covering some area of your heart that is unpenetrable or that you won't let out, but God put his finger right on it. And he'll do that. I thought of Hannah. 1 Samuel 1, Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. This is Elkanah, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. My, isn't that an issue that's near to a heart of a lady? She couldn't have any children. She wanted to be a mother. Scripture says, and her adversary provoked her sore. You don't think she had a complex? She had a complex. Provoked her sore. To, for to make her fret because the Lord had shut her womb. Pecked on and pecked on and provoked and provoked. Year in and year out. Hannah had an adversary that provoked her of her inability to have children. And you don't think she was trying to wear a mask and that those, those hurtful things just kept being said and being said and it just tore into her heart and tore into her heart. And she had to live each day and she put whatever mask she had to, she did just so she could get through the day. And as he did so year by year, speaking of the adversary provoking her, 
when she went up to the house of the Lord. And so she provoked her. Therefore, at this time now, she wept and did not eat. So year by year, she'd been provoked, but now she's here, and she's now weeping and did not eat. Something changed this time. Year after year, she bore her mask, but she, she kept herself in check. She was okay for so long, but now it came to a point, she says, I just can't. She's weeping now, weeping before the Lord. And the Elkanah said, oh, why weepest thou? Why, why eatest thou not? Isn't your heart, why is your heart grieved? Come on. Her heart's grieved. I mean, I don't know how we wouldn't have seen what was going on. Her heart is grieved. Aren't I better than ten sons? Trying to maybe put some sort of salve there. And she rose up after they'd eaten. And after they had drunk, and Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. And she wept sore. I can imagine that Hannah, she came to a moment where she just started to let the mask down. She's letting her heart just be bare. And she's weeping, Lord, here's my need. She's bitterness of soul. And the mask is being torn away here at these moments, years of holding up some front. And her heart, she came to a time, she came to a moment, she came to a service, she came to whatever it was in your room, some moment in time where she said, I can't do it any longer. I need God to undertake for me. But Abraham says, look, no matter what the preacher, what this or that, you're coming to the house of the Lord with faith. And Hannah walked in. She run down to the altar. She fell down. She raised up her hands. And she began to scream till she interrupted the whole service. She was done with the mask. She was done with holding back something in her heart. Her heart was in dire need. It was dying. And she said, I don't really care. I'm coming to church. I'm going to the altar. And I'm screaming out, Lord, I need you to come and intervene for me. And she interrupted the whole service. Even the priest thought she was drunk. She was all right. That's the way the whole lot of people that get sincere, they just, they're just misunderstood. She wasn't drunk. She was misunderstood. And many men and women who are really from the core of their heart, really fully surrendered to Jesus, they're not crazy. They're just misunderstood. He says, that's all. And she was praying and Eli stomped out. Woman, he says, wilt thou always be drunk on strong drink? And he said, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. But I'm praying, it's Brother Branham, that the Lord take away my reproach. Lord, take away my shame. Take away my disgrace. All that she wrestled, all this, these deep areas of her heart that only God could deal with. Only God could take away her reproach. Only God could take away the shame and disgrace that she bore in being barren and no child. Only God could do this. And she was willing at this point now to say, oh God. I'm weeping. I'm, I'm not even eating. I'm done. I need you to deal with me right here and take away the shame. He said, Lord, grant it to you. Lord, bless thee. And that's all she wanted to know. There was God's priest. God's priest had announced God's blessing on her. She was at the house of God. And God could have put the baby in her arms if he wanted to, Brother Branham says. But he has a way of doing things. He didn't make any difference whether it happened right there or not. She had God's word sunk in her heart. Amen. Just get God's word. It might be something coming across the pulpit. You read a scripture or you listen to a message and something sticks into your heart. It sinks not to the brain, but into the heart. And then it just don't matter what's happening. It's a done work. It's finished. She says, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing the word of God, she accepted it right there. And she went home rejoicing. 
Amen. God dealt with the heart. She wasn't one of 700,000 heart issues. She said, oh, God, I need an intervention. I'm willing. I'm going to pour out my life right here. I'm shameful. I'm disgraced. I am a reproach. I need you to take care of this. I can't bear it no longer. And God met her, and she went away rejoicing. There was release. God don't want you to sit in a, sit and stewing in your issue. No, sir. He said he can deal with it. But too often we sit there with our heart, sit there guarding ourselves, not willing to become vulnerable. We don't want to tear away. We put the mask up and we put whatever. We're just good. We're good. I'm fine. You're not fine. You need God to deal with yourself. Maybe you need to scream in a service and say, God, deal with me right here. Someone needs to be a Hannah. Satan wants to cover you up. He wants to bind you. He wants to cover you. He wants to put just mountains of doubt on you, complexes on you, facades and barriers. He just wants to do it because he knows if God can reach your heart, it's a final work. And so he's burying you, burying you in thoughts and problems and different reasonings, cast down reasonings. It's time to remove the mask. It's time to remove the mask. Discard the fake, discard the pretend, drop the guard, and mean business with God. But Abraham speaks to service, three types of believers. I said, oh God, I know. He says there's three types in every church. I said, no God, may this be time. We need bare-hearted believers. We don't need, may there be an exemption tonight from the three rule. Just an exemption tonight. No unbeliever. There's no Judas make-believer in here. May there be an exemption that it's all believers. Amen? Amen. Remove the math. There Judas sat there for so long, just making his way through, just biding his time. But Abraham talks about just waiting for an opportunity to see, oh, yeah, that, that's not right there. Oh, oh that, that was fake. That, oh, that, was, that was just telepathy. He was just waiting there. He sat there all the 70. He said, they left. They didn't believe. Believer, unbeliever comes in. No, that's not for me. Off they go. But the unmake believer sits there year after year after year after year with a false, with a mask in front of them. Essentially, that's what's going on. A mask in front of them. Tear the mask. There ain't no Judas here. It's a believer here. Say, God, deal with me. There were 11 others. A lot more others. May there be all the 11 here only. The Peters and Andrews and James and Johns, the Matthews, the other James, and the Nathaniels or Bartholomew, same one. The Philip and the Thaddeus, the Thomas, the Simon. They were all believers. They had their struggles. They had their difficulties. They're men and women, just like us men and women were human. So they're human too. They had their, 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 their uh, traits and personalities and such, but they're believers. No masks. Drop the mask. What happens, what happens is you hold that so long, you hold that in your heart so long spiritually. If you have unhealthy heart for a little while, long time, you know what happens? It starts to get hard. Hardened heart. Hard to address issues and they're buried so deep and so long 
that you're not, you have not ever been willing to really let them come to the surface, but then symptoms start to show. Because when your heart naturally goes into some health issues, you start to see symptoms. Wait, man, I, I can't exercise like I did. I really don't have the energy I used to have. What's going on? You start to feel a little different. My, my, my walk with God isn't really, it's really gone backwards. I, I don't have a prayer life. You start to see something's changing because something's there. It's barrier. It's a barrier, and you can't go further until you deal with it. And a heart dwells on things just as a natural heart. It can't do it ever forever so long. You know, there's something so wonderful about an open heart. Just some of this, just no guile as Nathaniel was. But a hard heart is heart-wrenching. You know, a heart, it builds up what would we say plaque in the arteries. They call it coronary artery disease, and it narrows. Bring up, bring up the next photo, please. And when we have issues in our diet and our health, we get these problems. We, our plaque builds up in our arteries, and it starts to create these blockages. The blood, the flow, the life, the oxygen can't get through as it should. You can go to the next. You can see as it just goes through time, you hold on to something, and your heart, you have something deep. There's a little hurt there, even like Hannah. Over time and over time, it just kind of built up and built up and built up to really where she couldn't handle it anymore. Something really came to show. And there you see at the end there, it, it, it actually creates a, a, a burst of blood and it starts to clot. And then you have issues because now it's blocked and you can have a clot now flowing through your stream. You go to the next slide. And it looks actually just like that. That's a sewer clogged. And right beside it is a clogged artery. And so they look very, very similar as a, and just hold that, you can uh, take that down there. That's, that's, uh, that's what happens on the natural side. But you know, you might have this issue for many years and don't really know it. And that's why they call it the silent killer. Because it just kind of steps in there and suddenly, boom, you have a blockage, you have a heart attack, and someone dies. Look, where'd this come from? That's why it's called the silent killer. But a healthy heart that's fed by the pure word of God, nutrients can flow. And it feeds that hungry soul of yours. And that's why you need a healthy heart. We don't need a hardening of the heart. And when it's, when it's hard, we, have, we, have, we, get, we get really a problem when we don't address it. And that's why we're addressing the heart tonight. Maybe by you, you know in your minds, that's why I asked you tonight, you go into your heart. You go deep, deep, deep down. And you start to penetrate an area and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to actually open it up. We're maybe going to have a little bit of open heart surgery tonight if you bring up that other, the next uh, picture. Because open heart surgery is actually very invasive. It's one of the few that still go really deep. You open up the chest cavity. You have to break bones. You have to go past the lungs. You've got to go past the, the, uh, the, the, the sack around the heart. And you penetrate the heart. And you're right there, right at the core. It's a major deal. But many people... Hundreds of thousands have to go through this each year because they let something build up and build up and build up and they don't deal with it. 
And they go through service after service after service. And God speaks and God speaks and God deals and God deals. But they don't deal with it and they don't deal with it. And they get build up in their spiritual artery. And now we're dealing with a heart attack potential. And God is saying, that's not what I have for you. I can deal with your heart. Let's go through a little, you can take that down, let's go through a little process. This might seem a little unorthodox, but work, just help me go through it. Mark 6, verse 12. We have scripture. You don't have to turn to it, but it's a scripture of John the Baptist, Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he sends them to, to go out. Um, verse 6, 12, and he says, you know, in whatsoever place you enter into, and house to house, would you abide till you depart? And then they went out and preached that men should be repent. And so they went out, and King Herod here heard of him. They heard he was hearing of Jesus. But the scripture says here, King Herod, his name was spread abroad, for his name was spread abroad, that he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. So Herod was thinking that this must be John. And therefore, mighty works to show forth themselves in him. And others said, no, no, it's Elias. Others said that it was a prophet. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, who I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. And for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison. For Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said to Herod, It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. And therefore Herodias even had a quarrel against him. Would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John knowing he was a just man and holy, and observed him when he heard him, and he did many things. Herod did many things and heard him, John, gladly. Herod heard John gladly. Herod enjoyed John. Herod, Herod he, he saw religion, maybe he saw, he was well aware of the religion in the day, probably was quite sick of it, saw it didn't have much to it. It was empty, had no life. Maybe he'd become cynical about it. He'd seen the pharisaical religion. He was bored. But then John came. He says, oh, this is different. I like this. He heard him gladly. And so here John was speaking. The axe was laid to the root of the tree, and he's calling the Pharisees vipers. And, and my goodness, here Herod was, was quite intrigued by this. And the scripture said he did many things. Maybe made some changes in his life or something, but he, he, he did many things and he gladly heard. He had a desire even. Just, I'm just reading scripture. For a while, John was, must have been his favorite preacher. Ah, he preaches straight, I'm sure is what he thought. Like this John, he just cuts right to the chase, deals with the issue. <laughs> sure he did. But then there was a problem because he cut to a real issue. He cut to the chase with Herod. He said, Herod, you're wrong. You're living with your brother's wife. It shouldn't be. You're living in sin. You're living in adultery. Repent. Whoa. And so now Herodias, Herodias gets pretty upset. She wants to kill him. And Herod, as the scripture says, feared him. But he was, so was kind of eager. He said, I like, this. I like this one. You know, sometimes people, my goodness, you can preach their heart out. And they say, oh, I just really love that preaching. But they're still living just as terrible as they were. But they, they, you know, something intrigues them there. That's really what Satan, he wants you in this great in-between. You desire it, but there's something in your heart, something is stopping you from really making a move to God. And so you're in this terrible in-between spot. And here Herod was. He, he loved it. He gladly heard. Ah, that's straight preaching. But there was something stopping him. He couldn't go any further until he dealt with it, really is what was, where his case was. Now when the word hit the target in Herod's life, it was a problem. 
And it stopped Herod from really making a real surrender. Instead, he buckled to Herodias. He buckled to the woman that he was living with. And he imprisoned John. I wonder how many preachers get imprisoned in someone's mind. They preach against something. And someone just locks them away. Yeah, well, not hearing them anymore. They preached against something on me. No, it's the word of God going forth. And Herod didn't like it because John preached against the sin. So here now, Herod, I wonder, though, how many issues that we go through that create barriers. Herod, he had a real blatant barrier, pretty easy to see. And that's, that's easy. That's the law of contrast. But what about something that's a little more subtle, a little bit more up to date? What if we have a barrier? We have easy barriers. You know, the easy to see barriers of our day would be probably entertainment or, or gaming or something like that or something that is, is just hindering you from moving forward. Maybe it's music or something or, or you know, some, some relationship. Who knows what? But, that, you know, those are easy ones. But what if it's a little more subtle than that? Maybe it's worthlessness. Maybe this feeling, I'm really not worth anything. And you're stuck there because you maybe went through a relationship that, that really never worked out or someone in their history could have gone through an abuse or something. They have a hurt there that is a barrier for them to move forward in their relationship with God. Maybe I'm not good enough. You had a parent that could never tell you how proud they were of them. Maybe you, you, you try to do your best. You're desiring to be told. It just never meets the standard. And so you have this complex, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough for God. Why would he want to save me? And you're stuck there at a barrier. God is wanting to deal with your heart, but you're stuck. You have this blockage that's stopping you from moving forward in God. You want to. And there needs to be a desire to open that area to him. It's like, God, this is actually is what's stopping me from moving real forward with you. And God says, I want to do, deal with that. I'm going to take the mask off tonight. And we're going to go like the woman at the well and meet your need. There's nothing. I tell you nothing. I don't really care what your, what your issue is. Nothing is too great for our God. Amen. Nothing. But who's willing to dig into the heart? And then allow the Holy Spirit to start to reach and put a finger on these areas. And really, maybe someone's needing a supernatural stent to go through that artery, blow it open, and allow that blood to start to flow. And Satan is warring, even now, in the mind, telling, no, it's not now. Not tonight. You just keep that buried. You just, just don't. It's not important right now. It's important. It's important. We are living in a day and in a time of age that you do not want nothing hindering your walk and your life with Jesus Christ. And so Herod, he didn't deal with it. He could have come to John and said, John, I really want to move forward. I really want to repent. I got this problem. I got Herodias here. I've done, done this. And I, I, what, what do I do? I, my desire. I, help me, John. What, what, is, what do I do? How do I deal with this? And, and they, they could have, John could have dealt with Herod, but no, instead he put him in prison. He said, no, it's not happening. And so he went the wrong direction. And I wonder, wonder if how many, especially these days now, we see so many falling away because maybe there's an issue of the heart. And they were not willing to deal with it. 
a hurt in the heart or, or something happened or something in their life and they said, no, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm moving away. I'm done with it. I just can't happen. And what happens is, is they move away. They go because they can't move ahead in Christ because of the barrier and they start to fall away and their life actually starts falling farther and further and further in sin and further from Christ, really. And their heart becomes hard, just a hard heart. And Satan has no plans for a plateau. He has a plan for a spiral. He has no desire to keep you just cruising. He wants to go downwards. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm here. I'm the great physician. I'm here to do surgery on my people. If you need the heart surgery, I'm here tonight. I can do open heart surgery. I can do it better than any human being on the face of the planet. And you know what happens when, though, you go down that spiral? It haunted Herod. That's why you go back in Scripture. It haunts the backslider. He says, oh, no, he thought that was John the Baptist. It's John. He's risen from the dead coming to haunt me because he, it haunts the person that backslides. That's why they can never get away. They're, they're in between all the time. They, 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 they don't fit in with the crowd here in the world, and they don't fit in with, with the believers because they're stuck in between. They backslid, and it haunts them. It's a terrible way to have to live. And Herod, unfortunately, went all the way and became one of the greatest mockers and put Christ in a robe and mocked him and sent him back to Pilate because of a hardened heart. He just let her go all the way. You know, I'm out of time. You say, well, what stage? Maybe someone's in a stage of heart hardening. But I want you to ask yourself the question. You say, well, I may be too far, Brother Michael. I just ask you one question. Is there a stir in your heart? Is there a little tug that even some little blood, some little life is still getting through? There's time for you still. Jesus is dealing with you, but he doesn't force his way. Jesus doesn't come down and kick the door down in your heart and be like, I'm here to deal with it. He doesn't do that. He knocks on your heart. Brother Brown speaks about the artist that painted the picture with the door, and their critique, the critique said, oh, that's a bad picture. There's no knob on the door. There's no handle. He says, yeah. How could he ever get in? How could Jesus ever get in the door? He says, well, the latch is on the inside. Because the man that's on the inside has to open the door of his heart to allow Christ in and um, communion with him. God doesn't pull your, your heart open. Brother Brown said he knocks you open. He says, don't you want him to do that with you? Have communion? He said, well, I've accepted it in my heart, Brother Michael. All right. But Brother Brown says the heart is the control room and the throne room and the place that Jesus wants preeminence and to be king over. And unfortunately, too often, we let him in the front door and we open the door to our heart, but we tell him, no, sorry, just stay at the doormat, just on the inside. That's okay. But don't put your finger on this area of my life. Don't put your finger on this interest in my life. This relationship on my life, that door that's closed to you. And this, this, uh, this desire over here is closed to you. This complex over here is closed to you. In fact, you know what? You should probably just stay right there in the entryway. You have to let the Lord take complete lordship over all areas. 
of your heart. The preeminence is the supreme degree. And the preeminence is a title of honor. But Abraham says, maybe you've done that. You accepted him in your heart. But did you know when he gets into your heart, how welcome is he after he gets in? He says, you just stand right there. Don't go no meddling around in my house. And he's unwelcome. And he's staying at the door. But he said he wants to come to this heart so he can lead you. Be a Lord. You want him as your Savior, but not as your Lord. We all want a Savior. Lord, save me, but don't be Lord of me. And that's where we get stuck. And we have barriers that stop him from moving into the regions of our heart. Tonight, we need him to be Lord, not just Savior of our heart. And so then surgery begins on the heart by one scripture as we close. You know, I wonder if we allowed the heart to speak a little bit and we took a little moment as Jesus is just knocking very quietly sometimes at someone's heart. And allow the heart of the matter to surface and realize you know, what's your heart saying. I'd like you to ask yourself that own question. You know, because you can go through situations and you get bombarded with so many different things and input from people and your own thoughts and reasonings and imaginations. But deep down, you really actually know what your heart is saying. But we push it. Or there's too many things that the devil's putting that we're not given the time to actually reach down. And someone that might be even coming through, coming, they're hearing all this, they maybe have tapped and clicked into believe the sign, and seeds of doubt are going. And then they start, their mind is starting to spiral. They're reasoning, and well, what about that? Well, what did Brother Bram say about that? Well, but they said this. And you start to, and really though, I want you, what does your heart say? What is your heart saying? Forget all the things of the world or the things someone is saying and the reasonings of your mind. What is your heart saying? Someone gets consumed in your social media accounts and you don't even realize how much time you're spending on it. And you, you see suddenly, you, you know, your, your, your apparel is looking different. Your hair's looking different. Your nails are looking different. You're looking different. And you're spending time doing stuff when you used to have a walk with God. And if you just let time back and be like, my, what's your heart saying about that? What's it saying? Forget everything else, but just let everything just push back. Say, is this really what I should be doing? Your heart actually will tell you. Because Jesus is on the inside. He's trying to tell you and speak to you this is the problem. We've got a little blockage starting here. You sit down, you flip on a Netflix, something you wouldn't have done maybe four or five years ago, but now it's just like everyday occurrence. If you just actually step back for a second, what is your heart telling you? Let it talk. What's it saying? Or maybe we go home and we be critical and we... Talk about every person in the church and how it should be done different and why they're doing this and how come they're not talking to me and what they said and who that and certain people and we're backbiting. Take a step back. What's your heart saying about that? These are blockages and barriers that we will not go further in Christ without dealing with. Matters of the heart. And scripture says, my son, give me thine heart. 
and let thine eyes observe my ways. So it's the Proverbs, wisdom speaking. And the ultimate wisdom is God, our Lord Jesus. He's the fount of all wisdom. And wisdom is saying, my son, I'd say my daughter, give me your heart. It's not, give it to me. That's not how he's saying it. Here, the great benefactor, the one, the great giver, is actually coming in a petitioning manner. Give me your heart. And here we're actually on the other side. Where we're used to saying, Lord, I need this. Lord, could you give me that? Lord, give me that. No, he's actually at you saying, just give it. Give me your heart. Tenderly. And you'd think in our right mind, we'd say, oh, of course. Our immediate response is, of course, you seek my heart, here it is. And many, few maybe respond that way. Like David, who sought the Lord's face and had a heart like like the, as unto the Lord. Or Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Abraham's going and staggering not. Job, though he slay me, yet I trust him. There were those. There's a desire. And there's no getting wisdom. There's no getting Christ. Except you give his heart, your heart to him. So completely. Not half a heart. Not half-handed. Not just off-handed style. No. We don't live half-hearted. We don't live nothing half-hearted. You know, if you did your work half-hearted, your business half-hearted, your hobby half-hearted, tell me how successful you'd be. You wouldn't be successful at all. You'd go nowhere. You'd actually go in bankruptcy. Just half-hearted with that, whatever. If it happens, it happens. God's saying, no, no, no. I need all your heart. All of it. But Abraham says, a lukewarm believer is worse than an infidel. I thought that was very strong. A lukewarm believer is worse than an infidel. That's right. God hurry in the day when every man will either be a Christian or a sinner. Wow. And stay the same. I said, oh God, may I run to the Christian side right quick. And I know, like I said, all believers here, but we're just dealing with the heart a little bit. Something that might be hindering you from just really moving forward in your walk with God. It says, God, hurry the day when every man will be either a Christian or a sinner. God hates halfway. He hates it. My goodness. Sometimes we're on fire today. We're not tomorrow. We're on fire this day. Just, just be even Stephen. Just be on fire all the time or just, just be steady Eddie. I don't really care. But not halfway. Not half-baked. Not one day in the, in, the, in the moped in the depths of sorrows and the next day on the mountain. Just be all the way steady. He says you can't give Christ a piece of your heart. He says, you know, the heart that is halved, a heart that's in half, it, it's a dead heart. <laughs> right? You know, this, you know the scripture in Solomon when the, lady, when the two mothers came and they, they, you know, they both had the baby. This is my baby. This is my baby in there. Solomon was, now had to discern the situation. And he says, all right, pulls out the sword and says, we're going to divide it. Cut it in half. Whoa! And one's like, oh, okay, that's fine. And the other one said, no, 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 just give it to her. Give it to her. Who is the real mom? This is wisdom. You know, the heart, a half heart, you know, the devil, he'll take half a heart. Just cut it in half. That's okay. I'll take half of it. No, God don't want half a heart. No, no, no. Keep that heart together. Maybe I'll be able to get, to get to it another day. He wants a whole heart. He doesn't want anything half. The devil will take half a heart, though. 
God, like that true mom, lover of the heart, he will never have a heart divided. If it must go one way, let it go. But don't divide it. Don't be a halfway believer. Don't be a lukewarm believer. Be all the way or do it not. My, it's miserable to be halfway living. No, no, they have knowledge of the gospel, but they, and they can't enjoy the world. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible stuck halfway. Strangers in God's country, really, but yet also unable to make themselves at home in the world. It's a terrible place. Just go all the way. And if you've got a barrier, just say, Lord, tonight I'm dealing with the barrier. I'm dealing with the blockage that's maybe just halfway filling up some vital artery that's coronary artery on my spiritual heart. Deal with it today. I'm, I'm willing to be torn open, cut through my chest, cut through the cavity of my being, and deal with this area of my heart. I'm willing to be vulnerable tonight. And that give me your heart is tender and it's asking not to whip you, not to spur you. He's just begging you, just give it to me. You say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Scripture says, lay not yourselves treasure up on earth. You know, when you want to give your heart, you need to know where it is to give it to him. And maybe you've left it somewhere. And you need to know where maybe you've left it, where your treasure is. The scripture says, lay not your treasures up on earth where your moth and rust doth corrupt. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And maybe we've left our hearts in some areas of our treasure, our lives. Someone who's running and I've run out of time. Someone running to their different places of business or money. Maybe as one person said they couldn't find their heart and they ran and had to look in their home and they went to some far room and behind some door and there it was and they opened a safe and there was their heart crusty and molded because it was sitting in their safe because that's where their heart was maybe in a woman's wardrobe because that's where her heart is maybe on some job site because that's where your heart is maybe a relationship some man or woman holds your heart Maybe you've turned your back on your family because of a bad relationship and you need to go. They have your heart. You want to give your heart. You need to know where to find it. And you say, oh my goodness, my heart. I didn't think it would be in this condition. You know, though, God says, give me your heart. He don't care the condition. Because he can work on that heart. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. He can, he can mold and he can start to, to move. You know, man has ways of restoration. You know, man can work wonders and restore certain things that you think, man, that's impossible. Maybe just put up my next, the last few pictures. It's impossible to deal with this. My, my, life, my, my heart's actually in quite a bit of a wreck and it looks terrible. But you know, man can do some very, uh, just the next one, not that one. Yeah, the next one. You know, you would have picked up that little iron there from days gone by and said, that's terrible. Rusted out nothing. Just couldn't, it's useless. But you know, after a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, and the master starts to work. He's got the solution. And he starts to pour his word in, the water of the word, the message of the hour. And that comes out after a little bit of work. Don't worry about what your heart looks like. He said, Lord, I feel ashamed to bring a heart that looks this way. You know, I, I need to get it right. No, go to the next slide. He says, I'll take a real rusty, real corroded, 
maybe a life that's really in a desperate time, but I'll just work on it a little bit. You just need to give it to me. And say, my son, give me your perfect heart. It says, my son, give me your heart. That's what it says. And God will do the rest. Musicians, why don't you come? He says, I'll take it in those sacred hands of Christ. And that heart shall lie till it's in its place and you see a heart of flesh, pure, clean, heavenly. And it'll yield to the sweet power of his infinite grace. And so don't think any situation is too difficult. Any barrier, any blockage, any, any area that you've masked, that you've put a veil on, nothing is impossible with God. And as the scripture said that we read in the beginning, oh, there were such a heart in them. A heart that yearns for me and desires to be one that can serve me with all their strength and all their might and all, all, everything that's within them. Oh, that there's a heart like that in them. And God, tonight I pray is just helping us to maybe take a step deeper into our lives, not living the surface, not living just skipping along life here and going through our busy day-to-day, but deep inside there's something blocking you from moving ahead in God. And God is just saying, I just want to put my finger tonight. And then you can go from here. That's between you and him. And that's all that matters. But that you will deal with it with him. Not with the devil and not with yourself, but with the surgeon, the great physician. Amen. A song that ran through my little mind as I was just preparing. And I knew it would be this way tonight. We can't deal with areas of our heart without it being pretty quiet. Because they're really tender. And we don't go stomping with hobnails on our heart. That's a tender area. The picture that went through is a whole team of people in an operating room. It takes a lot of people to deal with the heart. And so we tenderly walk. And I was just thinking the song that says... What can I give him? We won't sing it. I'll just say it. Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I'd give him a lamb. But if I were a wise man, I'd sure do my part. So what can I give him? I give him my heart. Why don't we bow our heads tonight? You know, I don't know whether we're streaming or not, but tonight, Saints, it's just a little Cloverdale Bob Way service. Just dealing with the little flock. And the Lord is just asking tonight, maybe is there a little Hannah? Maybe is there a little woman at the well? That you have a desire, she had a desire. Hannah was a God-fearing sister, but there's something there that just was really burdened on her heart and she, it, she needed God to deal with it. And she went long enough until she says, oh God. And she wept and prayed and asked the Lord to deal with it. She became vulnerable. Maybe tonight, the Lord is saying, tonight is your night.
I need you to give me your heart. And you know what I'm dealing with, and you know what you're dealing with, and it's on your heart tonight. In a moment, God can put his finger there. I can tell you it wasn't a long, drawn-out process with the woman at the well. It was a little conversation, and God dealt with her need in a moment. And so if you have it in your heart, you lift your hand up before him. All eyes are closed. All heads are bowed. My eyes are closed. My head is bowed. This is between you and God. He sees your hand. He sees your uplifted heart. That's all that matters because the scripture is between you, Jesus, the word himself, and him, you and him. And he's saying, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. And that's what he's saying tonight. I can take care of the matters of your heart. And I'll penetrate through the mask, but you just need to be willing. Just let me in. Open the door that I can commune with you tonight. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, I don't even know if there's a hand raised. That doesn't concern me, Lord. It just is between you and your people. Lord, a different message tonight. Maybe not normal Wednesday night, Lord, but our burden of our heart is that you would deal with us, Lord. We, we don't want to be in a place where we're hindered or we're blocked, Lord. There's a blockage in our spiritual heart. and Lord, you want to deal with it, and we've just veiled it. We've got so many masks these days, God. I know different ones have gone through so many hurts. Some have had difficult, difficult upbringings, situations, Lord, that even our minds can't understand how people have gone through them, and there's certain things, Lord, that can be there but you can deal with each one of them if they just give it to you. Lord, so tonight I pray that you, oh God, would put your finger indeed on the heart and it wouldn't be a recoil, Lord, but it would be a, 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 a longing and a desire, Lord, to, to, to have you woo and to work with them, Lord, and take that rusty, maybe crusty area, that blocked little artery that's almost ready to fail. And, Lord, you can start to move your supernatural instruments through it, Lord, and they'll be able to take a breath, Lord. As, Lord, the next day their spiritual energy starts to thrive because, Lord, you've renewed them, their strength. As David prayed, oh, God, renew and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It wasn't that their salvation was gone, but Lord, the joy of salvation was restored. May that be, oh God, someone's, Lord, experience tonight that, Lord, they don't walk out of these doors the same. They walk out of these doors, oh God, conquering in Christ Jesus, we pray. So I commit, Lord, your people, Lord, to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's just stand and we'll sing healer of the broken pieces. You are the healer. And you are the healer. Yes, you are. Oh, the healer of my
Lord, indeed, you're the healer of our broken pieces. Each one here, Lord, we'd be, Lord, we'd all be a liar if we said that not one of us didn't have a broken, pieced heart. Lord, we're all sinners, wretched, but Lord, you brought us back to you predestinated us before the foundation of the world. We didn't even know of you, but you ordained, Lord, a moment that you could reach down, take our heart, and heal our broken pieces. Heavenly Father, tonight, I pray you take your people. Lord, if there's broken, tender hearts tonight, may they walk out of here whole. Your scripture says, you can bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, that's what you came to do. Lord, and that's not a haphazard binding. That's a supernatural binding, Lord, where you can bring it back together, take all the hurt away and replace it, Lord, with your spirit. That's where peace comes that passes understanding because man would not understand how one could go through situations, but Lord, you can come in and you bring comfort. You bring peace. You bring a love where there's no love. Oh, God, that's who our God is. That's who we serve tonight. Step on the scene, Lord. Pass us not tonight, Jesus. Hear our humble cry. Lord, maybe others are calling, but Lord, don't pass one. Maybe someone's silent. Lord, I pray for them. I said, Lord, don't pass them. Lord, stop by even though their mouth's not by opening. Their heart maybe is not expressing. But Lord, I pray, don't pass them by. Touch their heart, Lord. Heal the brokenness, I pray. Lord, we commit this service, Lord, tonight. and Your atmosphere, your presence, Lord, may you just woo and brood. Lord, in the tenderness of an after service, Lord, you do much, Lord. That's when we can just sit quietly and you, you speak, Jesus. That's when you do move. We want to give you that opportunity. Lord, so you just, you just brood upon your people. Lord, they just linger. If you've touched an area of their heart, Lord, may they, may they not leave your presence, Lord. Lord, if they must go, go with them in their car. Some have a long drive. May, Lord, you just speak to them. And Lord, strengthen them. Whatever they need, I pray. They're your people. Tonight, may the exemption be, Lord, we're believers here tonight. Bless your name, Lord. I dedicate this congregation into your hands. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. 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 You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Maybe if we just, as we go, I know we know, we know the song, I Have Hope, in a time of sorrow. I know that song, I Have Hope, yes. Where do the broken hearted go? Where do the broken hearted go? Amen. They come to Jesus to find comfort for their pain. Hallelujah. So many. Their hope there is in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, I have hope, joy in the time of sorrow. Oh, I have peace. Oh, in the rainstorm. Oh, I have faith that Jesus holds.
on my own. No, it doesn't work. Oh, I kept on drifting far away. Oh, but now, but now I finally have a hope. Amen. Oh, in Jesus' love, I'll